This is Up for Debate, episode number 260, recorded July 26th, 2023. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten hours of gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, part of our Cherry Coke Summer. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by my good friend Matt Mariani. And Matt, I have just one question to ask you. You're in a desert, walking along in the sand, when all of a sudden you look down and see a tortoise. It's crawling towards you. You reach down and you flip the tortoise over on its back, its belly baking in the hot sun, beating its legs, trying to turn itself over, but it can't, not without your help. But you're not helping. Why aren't you helping, Matt? Why is that? I can't. Union, uh, union uh, contract. <laughs> I, <I'm>, uh... <laughs> That's what a replicant would say. That's right. I'm. I'm under no obligation to help the turtle legally because i don't want to cross the picket line just like sag so that's that's no uh, that's no that's right we support the, the unions can't help the turtle i'm in the uh I'm yeah that was what w- uh why won't you help the turtle i was Sean? uh because i'm a replicant obviously i mean that's part of the test right if i helped him i'd be human so replicant that, i couldn't figure out what quote to start with i went with that What's the difference? You know, my my alternate opening, uh, we're going to be more human than human is our motto, which I like more the uh, Mr. Tyrell on that one. Yeah. So more this is a, a movie we did this week, uh, unlike any other movie I think we've done so far for this channel, right? Would you say it's so, Sean? It's pretty unique. It's out there. It is. It, it is a one of a kind. Um, I don't even know where to begin. This is our, our cherry Coke summer. Yes. Uh, in episode three with, um, Mr. Harrison Ford at the helm. We're looking at all of his, all of his collective works, um, from his early, early films, such as American Graffiti. Uh, last week we looked at the absolute gem of a classic <laughs> uh, the, uh, well, the, 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 for the Frisco kid, uh, um, I'll tell you, Matt. I I I'm gonna file a workers' comp claim on the show. Mm. I'm suffering horrible whiplash from last week's movie to this one. Um, it, yeah. it's done serious, lasting damage. It's a problem. Yeah. Um. That I guess it kind of shows you the 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 range of 
Harrison Ford, the movies that he's been in, in his collective career. He's been in uh, The Frisco Kid. He's also been in this week's movie, Blade Runner. Uh, yes, which... Blade Runner, 1982's film, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Harrison Ford, Rucker Hauer, um, and Sean Young, among others, uh, released on June 25th, 1982. Um. I will say this, there, there's probably a ton of videos. I can say for sure there's lots and lots of uh, commentary and reviews out there for the film Blade Runner that really delve into the themes uh, really well. Um, it delves into the, a lot of the ideas of, and the development in this movie. I think we're mainly focused on um, being the Cherry Coke summer that it is. We're, we're very much focused on Harrison Ford and his um, acting specifically in the movies we do we are going to touch on some of the themes but uh, uh, there's always if you want to uh pause your podcast right now and and go out there and watch a couple of uh deep dives into the film or go and we highly recommend see the film yourself um go ahead and do that i think we'll we'll probably speaking for sean here we'll probably mainly focus on ford who appears um pretty early in this movie for the first time a nice we, change we, of pace it, it became a running meme where we uh now we should mention at the top that we also haven't we didn't watch star Wars any of the star wars movies we didn't watch any of the indiana jones films because we're really focusing on his uh harrison ford's um i wouldn't say lesser known works because blade runner was pretty a pretty big following non-franchise films is, yeah, non-franchise films. That's the that's I think the the best way to put it. Not major franchise, so not looking at um at any of those, but looking at Blade Runner um he he appears pretty early in this movie. Like like first or not is he in the first the very first scene? First scene's a lot of like kind of uh no, world building. A lot of world building and a lot Yeah, of, it's like, where the the the, the, the guy comes off planet and gets the test. Turns out he's a replicant, shoots yeah. the um, the gentleman giving the test and escapes. After that, though, we, we get to Ford pretty quick. Yes. Ford playing um, our main character in this movie, Officer Rick Deckard. Um, who uh, is assigned with the role of Basically tracking down what are called replicants. Um, who are, How would you describe replicants, Sean? Gosh, I would love to... Uh, kind of like... I would love um, to just read what it says at the opening of the film, because they kind of describe it here. Uh, early in the 21st century, the Tyrell Corporation advanced robot evolution into the Nexus phase of being virtually identical to a human known as a replicant. Nexus 6 replicants were superior in strength and agility and at least equal in intelligence to the genetic engineers who created them. Replicants were used uh, off-world as slave labor in the hazardous exploration and colonization of other planets. Special Police Squad Blade Runner units has orders to shoot, to kill, upon detection, any trespassing replicant. This was not called execution. It was called retirement. Retirement, yes. Kind of uh, off the bat reminds me a lot of a movie that the two of us saw in theaters together. Looper. You remember Looper? 
But I think the, yes. the main conceit, the main conceit in Looper was not they weren't retiring replicants. They're retiring like past versions of themselves or future versions of themselves. They're closing a loop. It's been a long time since I've seen Looper, but it was very, I think, he- very heavily influenced by Blade Runner and by the work of, uh, of Philip K. Dick. Uh, in general, who is the author of uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sleep? 19 Electric Sheep, I should say. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Uh, the 1968 book, which I've read. A um, lot of lot of the basically the whole movie is is adapted from from the novel, um, including other movies like Total Recall, Minority Report. Um, do you feel like, uh, in this movie, Harrison Ford, right? He's Rick, he's, he's, uh, Rick Deckard. He's this like kind of hard boiled detective, so to speak. Um, do you feel like his acting has, uh, kind of, I feel like it kind of upped a level with this movie. Uh, kind of like he he got a little bit more. He's got more chops now. This 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 is now the we're entering the Ford era where he has uh, a little bit more bite, a little bit more depth. What do you think about that? Um, yes, to some degree, I agree. But I also think he there wasn't a ton of dialogue for him in this movie. It felt like a lot of staring and walking and being dramatic, uh, which he did very well. But I think um, he shared the screen a lot with other people. I'll put it that way. I, I, I didn't feel going through this that he was like the solo star above everyone else. Um, I felt like he was more embedded in the movie uh, than him standing out. But I thought he was good. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. He's got um, he's got more like less less dialogue certainly than in in uh, some of his other films that I think are coming around that are like The Fugitive or other ones that we're about to mm-hmm. dive into. Um, I just think I guess for the the role that he's in, he's not being like last movie we watched. He was like mistaken for John Wayne or it was, it was like kind of like a stand in for John Wayne. Uh, before that, he was just like some carpenter, American graffiti. They, they It wasn't even really like a known name. I guess what I'm saying is he's now by now he's very much established uh, in Hollywood. This is 82, which means that. um. They're uh, almost done with Star Wars. Uh, they're kind of on like the tail end of Return of the Jedi. Should be coming out in like next year, right? It was at 83. Um, and yeah, 83. And then um, you've got you've got Indy. Uh, Indiana Jones movies are, are also like right around the corner. So I think what I'm saying is I think this is this is where his uh his his uh acting kind of gets up goes up a notch now they've already done raiders raiders of the lost ark was 81 but they've yet to do temple of doom 
the, the next Indiana Jones movie. And I think Blade Runner is where he kind of steps his game up to, in preparation for um, the the rest of his career. This To me, I think this this film marks an important mid um mid mid level transition and springboard that's going to like really propel him into the next uh the next phase of his career i think that the the phase one is kind of in the rearview mirror now phase one i think concludes with with star wars and i think phase two very much indiana jones and very much this film blade runner i think this one kind of well I don't know if I agree with that. I think Empire Strikes Back and Raiders kicks that off. Uh, I think by the time, because those two come out before this. And I think at that time, by that time, I think he's pretty well established. Um, You know, he never does a film quite. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. I think of all the Star Wars movies, I think he has the most dialogue. I could be, I'm just totally could be making that up. Yeah. But I think. No, that would not surprise me. Um, having, and if you, you've watched the movies yeah. too, I think you probably would agree. He's got, I think that's where it really, yeah. he definitely has the most to, to chew with. And, and I mean like a large amount of the plot revolves around him. And the first, we can argue that in the first star Wars, he's kind of still an ancillary character, but he goes on his own adventure in, in empire, he, him and, um, the Falcon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get right into what I struggle with in this movie because I want to say as far as the movie overall, it looks great. It sounds great. It's uh as a as a written thought piece, it's great. My problem is this movie is really goddamn boring. It is so, and I'm trying not to be Mr. 2013 millennial guy. I'm really trying not to. I get it. They didn't have CGI and explosions and crazy shit back then. But I also think you mentioned films like Total Recall and Minority Report. Those films are actually entertaining. This is like when a college professor assigns you a book, you know, it's not going to be fun. I felt like this was an educational exercise not an exciting movie. And I think when I, when we get into Harrison Ford's role, he's good in the movie. I don't disagree with that. I would have rather seen him in a more exciting version of this movie because we've learned by now he can be an exciting actor. Yeah, I I didn't find the movie. I found the movie to be like maybe slowly paced, but I think there is a oh lot. There's, there's a so lot slow. to chew on. Oh, it gives you glacial. a lot to chew on. It's it's no, it's a very, it's whole, a very listen, cerebral movie. It's a very thought. But, movie should i mean maybe there should but i don't think you need that time do. you don't need that time to be cerebral because there's long panning shots again it looks good but yeah. it's more like a commercial for los angeles in 2019 hey move on in check out how great our crappy city is um you know i i just felt like i loved the thoughtful themes i wanted them to explore that but i was also like i felt like there wasn't it didn't feel like there was a lot of movie in the two hour span it is interesting. I think I mentioned I mentioned before we started recording it that I've 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 already seen this film. This was my uh, second time watching it. The last time and what was the first time I had seen this movie, I was still in high school. So where I was then versus where I am now, having like watched the movie now, I think the intentionality of the director comes through a lot more. 
Um, yes. But I think that 2008, 2009, Matt, who had seen this movie in high school, probably would have agreed with you and would have said like there would, it could have definitely, and I still do it. I mean, 2023, I still do it. Agree. Uh, um, would agree that there, maybe they could have thrown in a few more action set pieces. I think there was aside from a few chase scenes, there's not a whole lot of, a lot of, um, like really like, like riveting action on the, on the part of the movie with the exception of, I think the, the last act, you get some good, uh, you know, you get the fight scene, you get the chase scene, you get that unforgettable, the scene in the rain, which is one of the most somatically important, uh, parts of this movie, which we'll, we'll definitely have to get to and dive in. But, um, but yeah, I mean, pacing, pacing is, is one thing, but I think there was a lot, especially having watched it essentially for the first time, there's a lot to think about a lot to, to chew on. This film to me was a masterclass in world building. I think it was, it did, it did a great job world building in the sense that it gives you just enough of its, of its universe. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, neon sprawled, not too distant dystopia that it, it, it kind of leaves you wanting more. It, it leaves you wanting, like you want to explore that world and peel back the layers a little bit more. I mean, at least I did going in. I, I remember, and I still, I don't know if, did you, did you see 2049? I still, I didn't see it. I didn't watch it. I, I wanted I didn't get to get a chance to, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, um, we may have to revisit that one in, in the near future, but, uh, I, I'm, I don't know if 2049 did, um, more of that peeling of the bandaid, peeling of the layers back, looking under the hood and, and seeing what make the, made the world function. But, um, it, um, It's, you know, it's, it's, it's such an important movie for all science fiction movies that follow it. I mean, you can name so many uh, directors, writers that were influenced by this movie uh, and then went off and and made their own. I mean, um, Matt, listen, there are a lot of, first of all, I'm going to just blow past the fact that uh, it wasn't intended as an insult that my taste is the same as a high schooler's. I'm going to just go past (laughs) that. Um, But uh, Matt, there are lots of historical things that are important that I don't have to like. The Civil War is a good example. Um, And so I I agree with you. I do think in a hour and a half movie, I like this a little bit. Although I feel like that's my complaint with every movie we watch here is that's too long. I just think I have a horrible attention span. I'll admit that. Don't email me. But I, I... I do. I love all the world building stuff. It looked great. There was lots of little things happening all over the place. You could pause and see on multiple viewings. You're going to enjoy that. Um, So from that respect, yeah, I I think that, you know, and again, it seems cliche because we've seen so many movies over the years take from this that it doesn't seem original like it did at the time. Yeah, that's what I was. I was kind of kind of also going to bring up is that because so many other media have taken this mantle and we've seen it reproduced so many times in movies and video games and books and shows it, it, it does. It seems kind of trite by our, by our viewing of it, 
you know, like, uh, you know, 40, what are we going on? 40, 50 years later, how long, uh, it, uh, it, it seems like we, we maybe take it for granted, but, um, I'm going to agree. I think that it may have been slowly paced. Uh, and I think that there was definitely intention intentionality in that. Um, but I think it, it leaves you with a lot of, there's a lot of things to think about and consider throughout the, uh, the film, um, such as where can I get some of those noodles? Those noodles look great, right? The ones that he's eating in the, in little shop. I still think it's fantastic time to time. I mean, that, that, that is one thing I, I did, you know, we talk about the setting of the movie and the sort of one thing I really did enjoy was the sort of American Asian uh, fusion of Los Angeles at the time. Um, of course, having a wall crap, you know, having a sign for Atari and, you know, some of the, there, there is a certain pleasure that comes with watching a movie that takes place in the future that we've already yeah. passed. Yeah. Um, which is quite amusing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I did think that styling, you know, the, the, the sort of advertising blimps going overhead, um, all of, all the Asian imagery I thought was, uh, was, was a smart choice rather than just dingifying existing Los Angeles. Yeah. It's, I think it's a responsible future. Um, they don't, what I like about this movie and its choices is that it, it doesn't just jump wholesale into like a, the future is going to be so crazy and it's going to look so different. And, and it, the, you know, in 2019, we're all going to be like, we're going to have jetpacks and like, like, or we're going to be living on the moon. Like it, it, it's a little bit more responsible. Like there are off world colonies, but they're not really shown. Um, there's uh, this idea of replicants, which we're kind of seeing now with AI, it definitely on the path to that. Um, and, uh, and it, it's important is, is really, it brings up a lot of the moral questionings and the philosoph- the philosophical discussion behind like, what is the ethics of having these created beings? Like, can we just make them do whatever we want? Cause they're just things or, you know, are we responsible as their quote unquote creators to have some kind of like, uh, provide them with a sort of dignity or treat with them with some kind of, uh, some kind of like, like level of, of respect or, um, uh, ethics. That's, that's really, I think what's at the heart of this movie Blade Runner. Yeah. But that was also, I don't want to make it, it's going to sound like I hate this movie. I really don't. I did enjoy watching it, but that was also part of what was missing for me was, uh, an aggressive moving plot line. And by that, I mean, He's not, there's really no mystery for him to solve. Yes, he's looking for these guys, but things just sort of happen. I I guess with the the, uh, snake scale, there's a little bit of mystery, not enough of it. And I loved the idea of the genetic engineering piece when we go to JF Sebastian's place and he's created these, his toys, right, Um, that are genetically engineered. I'm like, that's really interesting. Like that angle of, you know, I, I do think having um, Rachel as a, a replicant who doesn't know she's a replicant is very interesting. Those were the kind of themes I would have enjoyed spending more time on rather than the hunting down of the uh, escaped replicants. I do. I will say I do think the ending of the movie does do a lot of the heavy lifting and it ended very strong. So I, I'll at least give it that credit. It did. Uh, now, I guess we'll, we'll get into major spoiler territory. Uh, there are two. Cause I want to talk about that ending and, and the last, like that last 
part of the movie. <laughs> there are two endings, two, I guess, canonical endings of the film. One is the director's cut and one is the original theatrical release, right? Um, did you, did you get a chance to watch, which one did you watch? Did you watch them both? Did you watch? I, so it's confusing. Hmm. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, the difference between all these, I believe I watched the director's cut with no narration. Um, I did not check out any of the other versions. Okay. That's, I think the, um, the major difference See if I'm wrong here, but um, this is one of the ones where I think the 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 uh, which which version of the film you watch makes a difference on how you're kind of the impression you're left with at the end of the movie. Because one of the one of the central mysteries, right, relies on um, on on Decker and it, it, his status as a replicant. Um. And yes, in uh, the final cut, I think uh, the the director's cut is there's like a one of them. There's like a voiceover, right? And it kind of like explains things a little bit more thoroughly. Yeah, oh, the, the main the difference dream sequence, the dream sequence is the big difference, right? There's three big differences between the original theatrical cut and the director's cut. The first is the the voiceovers. There were 13 of them in all throughout the whole movie. There was, you're right, a dream sequence of a unicorn running through a forest that had been taken out for the theatrical cut. And then the removal of the happy ending, um, which was in the original theatrical version of them sort of driving off into the sunset. Um, accompanied with that voiceover that was taken out as well. Yes. That's the, uh, the, um, that was what I was, what I was getting at was that happy ending. Your impression, I guess, leaving the theater is a little bit different based on like the happy ending, watching Deckard and Rachel drive away, presumably like to lead their own, you know, post replicant lives or, or, uh, what have you like, po- like they, they drive off into like the forest and kind of are, are, are on their own way. But that, that part is, is taken out in the director's cut. Do you know what Harrison Ford said about the director's cut? Our main man. What did Harrison Ford say? He had his thoughts, uh, in 2000, Harrison Ford gave his opinion on the director's cut of the film, wherein he said, although he thought it was spectacular, it did not move him at all. Uh, his reasoning was they haven't put anything in. So it's still an exercise merely in design. So I guess Ford was was more of a fan of the uh, the original, the theatrical cut. Um, hmm. So I I remember seeing the, the I think the the this was and this illustrates the example of uh, of of why it was cool to have a physical medium back in the day because I mentioned before I saw this movie when I was in high school on DVD. Um, it was back in the day when Netflix was doing, still doing DVDs. Uh, and I think this was one of the first ones that I had gotten in the mail, watched it, DVD copy. Uh, the DVD disc also had the director's cut on it. So I was able to, I, I was able to first be aware there was a director's cut and then again, like mm-hmm. watch it uh, on there. Now, I, I guess um, 
streaming services now have pivoted to allowing like you to watch the director's cut of certain movies. They, that was an option, but for a long time it wasn't. In a long time, um, you had to you were kind of on your own for that. But um, I'm in a, a very big uh, physical medium fan mode right now, Sean, because I've been reading. Uh, a book that you recommended on, on our summer reading list, which we'll have to talk about, uh, the blockbuster, the, uh, yes, the rise and fall, the inside story of blockbuster built to fail. I've been reading built to fail, um, started it just today and we'll talk about it later, but I'm, it's very interesting. The, 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 the dude has, he's got some serious, uh, I don't know if I'd call it axes to grind or he's got more. It's more like he's uh, he's got some real insider information into into the blockbuster world. So we'll have to talk about that. But physical media is very much at my uh, my forefront of my of my mind right now as we as we talk about Blade Runner today. Um, in 2021, Ridley Scott said on a podcast that. The main incentive for him to alter the film was an idea to plan for a sequel. So the studio wanted a sequel to this movie. That's why they wanted to give a happy ending because uh, mm. the ending of the theatrical release reframed Rick Deckard as a replicant who was capable of reproducing. So I guess the idea was that they were going to have adventures with uh, possibly with Deckard's son or daughter in the next movie, uh, but it wasn't meant to be. I mean, is is this where we talk about the the question at the end of the film? Is is he a replicant? Yeah, that's the that's the question. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, when it comes to that question, Harrison Ford says uh, he was under the impression while creating the film that he was not a replicant um ridley scott has stated in his vision deckard is a replicant um and of course the idea of that um unicorn dream partnered with the unicorn origami tends to lean in that uh direction because gaff would have known that dream um i don't know i like to think to be honest, I don't think it really matters all that much to the film itself. Um, I I do believe that they want us to think he's a replicant. I think that's what, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's more interesting if he's not. I don't know. What, what do you think, Matt? Um, I, I remember watching the movie the first time and being completely convinced that he was. I was very strong on my opinion that he almost definitely was a replicant and... Like you said, it doesn't really have much of a bearing on the film unless you now it's interesting is I went back and rewatched it with the impression that going in where I was like, oh, yeah, he's a replicant. Now I'm going to look for the signs that he is. And I left this watching of it less convinced. Like after now, I, I didn't go from like he's definitely not like he definitely is to definitely not. Now I'm I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm like I now I don't know. Um I think maybe there's a lot of the evidence that I thought was much more convincing when I was younger 
just isn't really that convincing to me anymore that he, that he, um, that he is a replicant. So I don't know. Um, I still guess I, I lean a little bit more towards he is. Cause I think that would, that would make the, this whole, the whole premise of his character that much more interesting that he's a replicant who's been programmed to hunt down other replicants. Um, which again would be really interesting to explore in a subsequent movie. But as far as I know, um, Blade Runner 2049 doesn't really answer that question. It's, it's more of, it's a standalone adventure with a different character. Um, so yeah. Oh, as of May 31st this year, an interview in Esquire, uh, that, that Harrison Ford was asked again, if he thought Deckard was human or a replicant. And he said, quote, I always knew that I, as depth, as Deckard, I always knew that I was a replicant. I just wanted to push back against it though. I think a replicant would want to believe that they're truly human after all, at least this one certainly did. So hmm. Ford maybe changed his, uh, even his opinion on it altogether. It, it slots in nicely into the film. If that is indeed the case. Yeah. Um, Seems like even uh, even the uh, the movie theater gods had a plan for Deckard to be a replicant because there's one scene in the movie where Deckard's eyes glow briefly. It was a lot of a lot of pro replicant arguers will point to. If you look in in one of the scenes, his eyes like kind of glow, which is a a sign of a of a replicant. But as it would turn out, that was just accidental uh, lighting. Um, some of the light was intended to fall on a different character, I think on, on Blake. Um, and he kind of caught Ford's eyes and people, people think that that was a, an unintentional nod to him being a replicant. But. Well, that was one thing I did learn. Do you know how they do? They did that effect with the replicants where their eyes sort of shined. Yeah. Um, I learned uh, in reading uh, the Wikipedia article uh, that uh, shoot, where where can I steal this information and repeat it as if it's my own? Uh, I mean, isn't that just what we do on this podcast all the time? Is <laughs> we've gotten pretty good at that. Yeah, it's just it should just re- reading Wikipedia the podcast. Damn, it's not on this page. I don't know where it was. I think oh, was it on the IMDb trivia page here? Uh, yes, uh, it's called the Schuften process. Light is bounced into the actor's eyes off a piece of half mirrored glass mounted at a forty five degree angle to the camera. Hmm. There you go. Uh, what else about this film, Matt, uh, speaks to you? Um, I guess a lot of, we could also talk about is the, um, 
a lot of great big bombastic backgrounds like so so many really well fleshed out really good it, it goes right in with the world building right the backgrounds of of everything yep. uh, incredible work on the backgrounds on the cinematography makes the world really really feel organic and alive which uh is also like a a, a plot a theme a plot theme in this movie is life and what makes things alive so um i really liked the yeah, I, uh, the the backgrounds just the backgrounds and the and the idea that it, this really feels like a world you can just open your door and and be in well i you know there was the um at the tyrell corporation uh tyrell's sort of um office slash bedroom because i guess he sleeps there as well as we learned towards the end of the movie with that sort of faux i don't know if it's egyptian or sort of a lot of gold um it, it was just very interesting to see the opulence sort of presented in that way his replicant owl um i thought that was just bizarre in a good way but it was weird <laughs> He also gets his eyes squeezed out, which is uh, that that was it sounds bad. I wanted more of that in this movie. I want a little more more like bloody ass kicking in this movie felt a little tame. It was great when he squeezed the eyes and really got him. Although the eyes very interesting, very symbolic. See, I catch these very things. Symbolic. Indeed. I, eyes are a repeated symbolic theme in Blade Runner. Um. The film opens with an extreme close-up of the eye. Uh, and a lot of lot of mentioning about seeing things. Uh, my Yeah, I guess the big thing with sight is the connection between sight and memory in this in this movie. Seeing is believing, or mm -hmm. seeing is is knowing, or you know, if you could only see this is are are lines that uh that are are repeated throughout the film. Um, there's, uh, I think in the, in the most, the most famous example of this, the, the arguably the most famous moment of the film is the tears and rain monologue. So famous, Sean, that it has its own Wikipedia page. Uh, this, oh, wow. this scene has its own Wikipedia page, tears in the rain monologue. Um, which is, of course, a 42-word monologue uh, consisting of the last words of character Roy Batty, um, portrayed excellently by Rutger Hauer, the one and only. Um, and they have the whole dialogue here. And, and, and so see if, you, see if you can spot all the references to, to sight connecting with memory. It says, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on the fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. Time to die. So that is drawn out into like this whole big prolonged speech. In the of course, as the rain is coming down, there are the it's kind of is a moment where he's run as far as he can go. Um he's he's kind of has nowhere else to turn and, and uh, Rachel and um, Deckard kind of have him like cornered and uh, he um, 
This is right before, uh, right before, I think right before he jumps, right? Right before he's about to. Mm-hmm. So, um, so a lot of, a lot of talk about seeing things and vision, envisioning things and remembering like tears in the, they're going to be lost like tears in the rain. Um, and so sight, yeah, big part of the movie is, is, is seeing. And I think that the, it is a very visual film. I mean, incredibly visual. Uh, I mean, like all films to some extent are visual. Like it's just the nature of the medium. But I think wa- there's a lot of watching in this movie. And I think that's where a lot of the the slower pace or a lot of the um, the um, Vimmo builder kind of like large scale, but some small things going on all over the place are where that's important is uh it's it ties in with this philosophy of seeing you know you know i i'm sort of scrubbing through the movie trying to remember different things that i think i think if i rewatch this movie i'd like it more because now i'm remembering scenes like when he goes into the um the dressing room and he pretends to be with the uh uh what is it the uh morality police or whatever and, and he's talking to the woman um with the snake i i there's some there's some good stuff in here i loved i do have to shout out one of my favorite pieces of future technology in this whole film uh which is when he's using he puts the photo in the computer that's a tv and he says such uh great lines as uh enhance 224 to 176 enhance stop move in stop pull out track right enhance 34 to 36 pan right or uh, pull pull back stop I wish we comp- used computers like that today. Um, That'd be cool. Could you imagine f- using Photoshop with that? <laughs> you know, go 57 to 19, track 45 left. Stop. Yeah. That, I think more more voice commands for computers, for sure. But yeah, and maybe, I want it to be totally, AI. total nonsense. Yeah. Techno babble. Absolutely. Um, I just, I, I want to have to say like specific coordinates of the screen to make it do things. Yes, more definitely more than that. Uh, more more of uh, mentioning specific vertices and angles and uh, specific matrices would love that. And and yeah, I, I like I like the idea. We should definitely have to. I mean, forget like trackpads and mouse. Like, who needs those? Just just tell the 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 computer exactly precisely where you want the the cursor to appear what pixel you want it to appear on yes pixel 11752 yes. enhance that's what we wanted that's what we click wanted. enter type <laughs> z7 total gibberish you know um, there's a, a fun story i recently discovered how to use the the text to speech on my phone I had, I had gone all this time without ever using it. And I just did it like for the first time. Like, uh, that seems like such a Matt feature couple, couple months ago. And, and so I started using it with people that I was talking to, but I, I didn't know how to send messages. So I would always say send and all of my messages and just ended with the word, <laughs> the word send. <laughs> and I sent one message to someone that said it was, it said, how do I send <laughs> It was like my, whatever I was saying to them, like, and then after that, it was like, how do I send damn, these damn messages? Can't figure out how to send it. Send space, 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 send. And then it just like, send. 
I didn't realize that all you do to send is you just stop talking and that it, it just goes right. I was like, I was commanding it. I was commanding. Yeah, it. no, you're, 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 you're a senior citizen, Matt. Senior um, citizen, yeah. God, God bless I, you. I want my, I want my early bird special. But I do like the idea that every every sentence you text, uh, it, it ends with send, sort of like on a walkie when you say over at the end, over. you know, copy yeah. over. Um, exactly. I kind of like so you know your Matt's thought is done. He's he said he had, he said send. You, as I was saying, as good. I was and as I was doing it, I was just thinking like, what if what would somebody do if they're the last part of their message had to be the word send? Like, is there a place that you want me to send send and then? I was like, maybe you just say it twice. It was those were the thoughts that I was having um, before. I These are, are listen. Blade Runner had uh, Harrison Ford had his problems in 2019. We've got our problems here in 2023 with this technology. We do, we do. Are there any? Um, were there any like funny? You know, it, it, it is. About I, I things that happened on set. Anything like about the making happened? of this. Yeah. No, it sounds like it was horrible. Yeah, it really does. It doesn't sound. It Ridley Scott very, sounds like a uh, damn monster. Yeah, it doesn't sound very happy. That's what I'm looking for. Is like any kind of levity with uh, no, with making the making of. It doesn't really like you know. We have always like Star Wars. There seemed to be like a lot of fun stuff that happened. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, if you uh, if you wanted to uh put this on the Harrison Ford scale, do you want do you want to re-explain to the folks what the uh, Harrison Ford scale we've been using is? Um, personally. Let me open up that document because <laughs> okay. I'm gonna need to do that first. Uh, our all right. So our Ford scale that we decided on. Um, I would say on a zero to four scale, uh, this would be a for me personally. It belongs in a museum. I would say a Harrison Ford for me. I'm going to forward it. Wow. Going all the way to, I, I to it's four. Just, it's solely because of its cultural significance. And I enjoyed the film greatly, even more so on my second watch through. Um, I picked up a lot more thematically than I did the first time through. And with the benefit of a robust uh, library out there of videos and, and articles to read and watch that just a, an abundance of information about the film. I got to give it a Harrison Ford. Wow. Out of four. Wow. That's quite, quite a uh, accomplishment there. Uh, Matt, what's a, what's a number three on the scale? Uh, that would be, it belongs in a museum. No, I, Oh, that's right. So, but you went to Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. Yes. Okay. I'm going to, I will give it, it belongs in a museum. I'm not going to go all the way to Harrison Ford. Um, but yes, I'll give it a three. It belongs in a museum. It, it is certainly there are reasons. It's a classic. I just, I feel Harrison Ford was great in it, but it didn't feel like a Harrison Ford movie. That, that to me is what, and that Indiana Jones pushes it to Harrison Ford. Cause that's a Harrison Ford movie, you know? And I think some of these next, uh, we're doing Patriot games next week. 
I think that might be a little more Harrison Ford movie. Uh, this one, great movie, needed needed a little more Ford, so uh, it belongs in the museum. Yeah, um, that's fair. I think that's definitely a fair a fair analysis. Looking at it, it's it would be I guess more beneficial if we establish the criteria of like here's Harrison Ford in a movie versus the the quality of the movie itself then because he he he, um despite the fact that again he's a main character he's not not given a whole lot of dialogue in this one so uh i think um we'll probably see that uh a fair amount coming up but what's our next uh our next film in the in the in the watch through matt i'm glad you asked we're gonna fast forward an entire decade We're going from 1982 and we're going to skip over films like Return of the Jedi, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, uh, Witness, The Mosquito Coast, Working Girls, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Presumed Innocent, all the way to 1992's Patriot Games, Matt. Uh, We say no franchise film, but this is a little bit of a franchise. Uh, Matt, have you ever seen The Hunt for Red October? I have, yeah. Uh, The Sean Connery submarine. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware uh, the hunt for red October is the first film appearance of Tom Clancy's uh, famous character, Jack Ryan played in hunt for red October by Alec Baldwin uh, Patriot games. The first standalone uh, Jack Ryan film where Harrison Ford plays the titular hero. Hmm. Have you seen uh Patriot games before? I have not seen Patriot games, what? nor have I seen hunt for red October. What's Jack Ryan's deal in the he's 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 not exact he's not exactly a a James Bond kind of and he's not like an Ethan Hunt he's not like a secret agent I guess he's more of like a he's is he like a special ops guy or because I mean I remember Hunt for Red October also doesn't have a tremendous amount of action and it's very very talky talk heavy movie um. And I'm assuming Patriot Games is like that. So uh, I've I've started to look at the uh, Wikipedia page for Jack Ryan, the fictional character. He's he's mainly known for being a CIA agent in such films as Patriot Games, Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present Danger, um, The Sum of All Fears. But also, apparently, at one point, he becomes the... So so these are all the Tom Clancy books. Apparently, at some point, he becomes the president of, like, America. Oh, really? In Patriot Which is weird. Or in, like, a... No, no, no. In the book series. In the book series. book series. Okay. Yeah, the the last Jack Ryan... Oh. I didn't know these were all... Yeah, he's from the books. Same books. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there are how many are there in the series? Twenty-one Clear novels present, in the series. Yeah. Clear and present danger, the hunt for Red October, the sum of all fears. All they're all. I didn't know it was all the same universe. Never knew that. Yeah, well, the, and the most recent uh, 2014's Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, um, starring I believe was that Matt Damon, uh, Chris no. Pine. That was Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. Yeah, um, just saw the the movie poster. No, that. that. Chris Pine. And then, um, of course, the Jack Ryan TV series on Amazon Prime starring uh, The Office's John Krasinski. Yeah. So that's all the uh, all kind of tied together. Didn't uh, did not know that all with the same character. 
Well, Matt, hopefully by next week's episode, you'll have read all the books um, so we can be able to talk about this character in depth. It's the kind of research we do on the show to be prepared. I need to practice speed reading, Sean. I need to get better at at speed reading. Otherwise, how am I going to finish my 10 books to get my personal pan pizza at Pizza Hut? How how am I going to do that? I got to I got to read 10 books over the summer. Yeah, I don't I, I would. If I worked at a Pizza Hut and a child came in and said, I read 10 Tom Clancy novels. Can I have a personal pan pizza? I would be so suspicious. Well, I'd be very worried for that child. Came in and the 32 year old man handed you a. Oh, card. well, you didn't say that. that. But the card had little stickers on it. And I said, I, I read 10 Goosebumps books. I expect. Uh, no, no. You, then you got to pay for the pizza. You're an adult with a job. You got to pay for the pizza or at least read like, you know, something a little more war and peace. I mean, get, get a little more challenging. Warren peace. My favorite author. Warren peace. Warren peace. Uh, uh, Matt, yeah. I think that's going to wrap us up here as we continue through the Cherry Coke summer. One of these days, um, I'll actually bring. I hope everybody enjoyed to, to drink while we're we're on the show. Well, you haven't seen this actually, Matt. You want me to play? I don't know. I hope our internet connection is good enough. So every when we do these series, I always pick a um, sort of clips. Not the right word, but I pick a sort of clip or something to. Uh, to play at the beginning of each episode. Really? Uh, and yeah, so a little on the audio version. Um, and uh, I picked a, uh, I don't think our internet's going to be good enough to do this. I'll send you the link. Uh, it's a cherry Coke commercial that plays at the beginning of uh, the episode. So I'll send you the link. It's a lot of fun. Cool. All right. <sighs> Well, we're going to put a pin in here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Of course, if you didn't catch uh, American Graffiti or the Frisco Kid before this, uh, check out our podcast wherever podcasts are available. Be sure to subscribe Up for Debate. You visit our website, upfordebate.tv, with the links to the audio and the video, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and then you can also uh, get a hold of us at Up for Debate TV or email us upfordebatetv at gmail.com. You can email me and tell me how big of an idiot I am with my film opinions. I look forward to that. We're going to be back next week with another a hit of Harrison Ford. Uh, but until then, on behalf of Sean, on behalf of Sean, he's Matt. Yep. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on another great episode of Up for Debate.